Hello and welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Sean Douglas, podcast producer at the National Trust. Today I'm revisiting a story that I started recording almost three years ago. It was about a young woman called Tuleri Fielding who'd won a year-long National Trust farming scholarship to run a farm in Snowdonia, North Wales. We joined the action when I first met with her a few days into what would likely be one of the most challenging and rewarding years of her life. I'm just walking up to this farmhouse and apparently this is where Tuleri lives, just round the back. This was the first of the many recordings I'd be making throughout the year documenting Tuleri's journey from scholar to shepherdess. Hey, hello. I'm Sean, hi. Good to meet you. Back then, it was a different time. There were no face masks, no hand sanitizer, and we could sit down at the same table and enjoy a lovely cup of tea. I think he's attracted to the microphone. Worst guard dog in the world. It was Tuleri's second day on the job, and everything was new and unfamiliar. She had to get used to her new job. I've never managed a farm by myself before, so that's going to be. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. Her new surroundings. I think that has to be the best view out of a kitchen window ever. I seem to check it constantly. I'm like, it's Snowden there, it's Snowden not there. And dealing so. with <laughs> the solitude. It's the first time I've lived somewhere completely by myself. But I think I'll just end up talking to the dog a lot. <laughs> what do you think is going to give you the biggest challenges? Me and Roy learning how to gather properly and not getting completely lost in the mountain and surviving the rain. The rain is pretty serious here, so <laughs> I need to... I we talked to for a while longer and then it was time to say our goodbyes. <laughs> how do you say bye in Welsh? Around here we just say ta-da. 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 Sounds like up north. See you yeah, later. Yeah, true. <laughs> bye. Ta-da. So the plan was I'd follow Tuleri's journey over the next year, catching up with her every few months and downloading her audio diaries. Unfortunately, other projects took priority and before I knew it, the year was up and the opportunity to get those recordings gone. That was until a twist of fate brought Tuleri's story back onto my podcasting radar. For many people, 2020 was meant to be the year that great things happened. It was a new decade, its numbers had symmetry, and it just felt like a moment. And for the National Trust, 2020 was the moment that we turned 125. We'd planned a year of celebrations, but as the year rolled on, most of these had to be cancelled. That was apart from the publication of a book called A Portrait of the National Trust. Through 125 images and stories of staff, volunteers and supporters, this book profiles the individual characters that make the National Trust what it is today. We were asked to produce a podcast about one of these characters, but with so many to choose from, I needed the help of assistant producer Claire Bailey to help me whittle down the options from 125 to 1. Hey Claire, how's it going? Yeah, all good, thank you. How are you doing with the stories for the A Portrait of a National Trust podcast? Good, I love them all actually, but there's four I like from the shortlist. There's one lady called... There were visitors that talked of their special places and rangers with heartwarming anecdotes and even volunteers with stories of passion for the outdoors. But the last story was a bit of a surprise. 
Next one is a lady called Teleri Fielden, who is a farm manager in Snowdonia. It rings a bell. You may know her because she's a farm scholarship. She won a scholarship. Ah, right. Yes, I remember her. Oh, really? Yeah. When I first started at the Trust, I heard about her story and I interviewed her. So that's the really interesting one. That is. And I think she's got a nice story behind her. Yeah, I think that's probably the story because I think it'd be good to catch up with her. Sounds like a plan. There's a part of the drive to Snowdonia which is almost otherworldly. There's this road, it's called the A4086, but I call it Lord of the Rings Road because it feels as if the windows of your car have been replaced by 4K TV screens just showing footage of that Lord of the Rings landscape on loop. To the right you've got these rugged mountains that rise up and on the left there's this lake which reflects the mountains on its shores as they rise up into the clouds. And this is the landscape Teleri gets to call home. A few miles down I take a left turn onto what I assume is a road. I think this is the one. Doesn't even feel like this is a road. This is the sheep station. As I was taken in the Ovine Dawn Chorus, a white pickup truck pulled up and out jumped a lady who looked only vaguely familiar. She was dressed head to toe in mountain grade waterproofs and walked with what can only be described as the confidence and swagger of a mountain farmer. And walking loyally by her side was Roy, who quickly broke ranks to give me the warmest of greetings. Larry. Roy, hello Roy, how are you? Still not a very good guard dog. Not a terrible guard dog, yeah. How are you? You're getting the sheep dawn chorus. I am. So. Yeah. <laughs> so we found a comfortable bale of hay to sit down on and chew the fat. And I guess the first thing I wanted to know was what had allowed her to extend her scholarship and still be here almost three years later. Because Brexit was in theory happening and there were a few changes on the farm that meant it actually suited the farm to have someone here for a bit longer. For Teleri, their extra time on the farm must have been a godsend because as we discussed in our first meeting, building a career as a skip generation farmer can be extremely difficult. So people would call me a sort of a skipped generation farmer so my tide my granddad he farmed as do some of my wider family but my parents don't um and i always wanted a farm for some reason i said when i was four that i wanted to be a lady farmer apparently but at the age of nine her dreams were shattered when her tide or granddad sold the family farm cutting off the traditional route to owning a farm inheritance it's really tricky if you're not going to inherit a farm so my options are a tenancy, which is still quite an expensive way of getting into farming. And it's tough because there's bills that constantly have to go out whether or not you're earning anything. To keep the dream alive, Teleri worked on farms in the UK, France and Canada. But in the end, her career ended up more dress shoes than wellies. Career-wise, I ended up working sort of a bit of policy, a bit of the Wildlife Trust and marketing food as well. But after a text from a friend, it seemed as if those dreams she's had as a four-year-old might be back on track. A friend of mine was the first scholar here and she actually messaged me to encourage me to go for the scholarship. 
So I thought I wasn't experienced enough for it really. But she made it through the application process and before she knew it, she was the manager of a 6,000 acre farm. I thought, wow, this is going to be home for a year. Crikey. <laughs> How have things changed since, since, well, when I first saw you? I think the practical side of things, I feel like I've really progressed in that way. Um, and probably a little bit more mentally resilient now, I think, learning to, to run a farm um, certainly puts you through the ups and downs, so you, you have to do a lot of learning to laugh at yourself. And learning to laugh at herself was something that Teleri needed to do from day one. Because when she first started working with the local farmers, one of the unexpected barriers was the language. Unexpected, because Welsh is Teleri's first language. Here's Teleri back in 2017. So I actually grew up in Wrexham, which is northeast Wales, um, and grew up doing everything in Welsh. Here, obviously, we're in the northwest, and the accent's quite strong, and my Welsh is slowly clicking in, but I really need to fine-tune my ears to the, to the North Walian Welsh here. We were sorting out the sheep and it's quite a sort of quite high stress situation. So you, you've quickly got to sort them out, get them into the right area, separate them out. And it's quite quick work. And I was really struggling to understand what he was asking me to do. And then in the end, he just picked me up and just moved me into the right place. Oh, sorry, Roger. So yeah, I'm sure after a year I'll be my Welsh will be at full on North Walian Welsh again, but until now they're just going to have to pick me up and put me in the right place, I think. I've been told now that I seem to have adopted this really really North Walian accent when I speak Welsh. <laughs> so yeah, I've I've obviously learned to to be a bit, a bit of a chameleon in that respect. And it's not just Teleri that's had to adapt to hill farming. Roy, having learnt on flat ground where he'd been trained to push sheep towards the shepherd, needed to learn quickly that in the mountains things were different. On a mountain, you're pushing the sheep down away from you and you're walking down and pushing the sheep down towards the farm. And we were getting right to the end where all the sheep were finally all together and they said, oh, let him off. And I let him off and he decided that he needed to try and turn around this massive group of like 200, 300 sheep back up the mountain. And I was yelling and yelling and I was so embarrassed. But he was just, he was just sitting there looking a bit in shock. <laughs> After these admissions, Teleri and Roy were keen to show me that these schoolgirl errors were a thing of the past and took me out for a spot of sheep gathering. Oh God, this is lovely weather, isn't it? <laughs> I'll just close this gate. So the game plan was Teleri needed to get Kelt, the male sheep of the flock, into the pen for a sale later that day. Because he's quite a big boy, I can't just like pick him up and put him in the right pen. So, so to get round this, Teleri and Roy came up with a cunning plan to drive all the sheep into a pen where there was a filter device which would send all the ewes back into the field, leaving Kelt in the pen ready for his new home. Away! And with that command, Roy disappears into the bracken. Is that what he's meant to do? Yeah, so he's showing off and he's doing a perfect circle by going really wide and he's sticking, he's hugging the wall there. And all of a sudden, the flock are on the move. So is the top the big woolly one? Yes. Right. <laughs> so if we could just get him, that'd be nice. But I don't think we'll manage it. 
Walk on. And then in a coordinated move, Roy splits the flock into two. Good lad, good lad. Walk on. Great, so we've got a smaller group. That's easier. Come by. Let's just see if I can just get him. Madoi. And once again, Roy splits the flock, reducing the numbers even further. Good boy. Walk on. That'll do, that'll do, that'll do. Yeah. Good lad. Walk on. There we go. We're here, we're here. Again, Roy splits the flock, but this time it's just one ewe and Kelt he's driving towards the pen. Good, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what a good dog. So you've got two and yeah. the one you wanted. Yeah, that was perfect. Good boy, that'll do. Ah, so you don't, don't need to do any sorting now. <laughs> Sometimes it all just comes together. <laughs> I think that's an example of where, you know, probably the first few times I was doing it, I would, you know, try and run after one or try and get all of them in or whatever. And you just slowly learn what makes things a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think I've learned an awful lot and, and started to really love the, the area and the community. Do you think potentially could have been seen as winning a reality TV show? They may have thought, actually, who is this person? Why is she here? What can she offer our community? I definitely felt a sense of needing to prove myself. When I first got the scholarship, there was quite a lot of media interest. So people were asking me about farming and I was thinking, oh, I wonder what people locally are going to think about what I'm saying. Because, I, you know, I, I hadn't walked the walk, as they say. So, yeah, I definitely felt a sense of wanting to prove myself and wanting to learn from them and and wanting to show that I really respected what they do. So yeah, hopefully I've earned their respect. And so I guess you have been accepted into the community now. You know, people have seen that you've got the grit to, to stick it out. <laughs> but how do you navigate that balance mm. of wanting to bring your own ideas but not alienating yourself from a really traditional community? It's a really interesting question because it's one I think about a lot. So I always feel like I want to be able to respond to all the things that are going on at the moment and to what consumers want now and what people think of farming. At the same time, I know that I need to recognise all the experience that those people have and, and those ways of farming have been around for so long. I wanted to find out just what the locals thought of this girl from the big smoke of Wrexham coming to the Snowdonia Hills to make a name for herself as a hill farmer. So we jumped back in our cars and across the road and up the winding track to the neighbouring National Trust owned farm to meet Arwin, National Trust farmer and Teleri's colleague and mentor. Hey Arwin. Samai. <laughs> so I've been spending the day with your protege. I just wanted to talk really about how you guys have worked together since she's been on the scholarship. I have always said about the scholarship, we learn and we get as much out of it as, as the people who've been on it because farming is dynamic. You know, the industry is dependent on getting good people in, the next generation of people. And I certainly think that Terry is, you know, she's brought that enthusiasm with her. You know, I think... I think a little bit of it rubs off on us. You know. In a few weeks, Teleri's scholarship comes to an end. So she was keen to get the advice of Arwin as to what her next step should be. Yeah. If you've got any extra advice. So I think you've just got to stick with your instincts and go for it. You know, draw on people's experience, talk to people, gauge their views, 
um, but ultimately make your own decisions. And I'm sure, you know, with your enthusiasm and passion, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. I'm on my way home and I'm back on Lord of the Rings Road and I find myself thinking about some of the other characters in that book of portraits and how flicking through its pages you get a real sense of the journey the National Trust has taken in the last 125 years. From the photos of blacksmiths and housekeepers you'd have found in the Trust at its inception in 1895 to the photos of podcast producers and graduate shepherdesses, which are so 2020. It makes me wonder what the National Trust will evolve into in the next 125 years. Unfortunately, because of the impact of COVID-19, 2020 marks the end of the road for the farming scholarship. But I'm sure just like Tulare, all of its graduates will continue to contribute to British farming for years to come. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the National Trust podcast. To make sure you're notified when new episodes are available, subscribe on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts. And for more audio programmes from the National Trust, go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. We'll be back soon with another episode. But for now, from me, Sean Douglas, goodbye. <laughs>